Today's episode of 77 Minutes in Heaven is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers and, or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com backslash tips. On today's episode of 77 Minutes in Heaven, we're going to be talking about a fan survey conducted earlier this week and what you guys said about the Mavericks. Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast as part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Tim Cato, your host. I'm here with Dave Dufour, as always, as usually, as sometimes. I don't know. It's one of one of those things. Dave, how are you? I'm good. I, and I'm here the majority of the time. Regularly. Let's say regularly. Yeah. 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 Joined regularly. In these irregular times. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, but now I'm always here. You can't, you can't escape me, Tim. I think I could. I think I could outrun you. I don't know. I actually, I'm really fast, Tim. I, what's your forty time? You got to see. Yeah, you got to see my hamstrings, though. Like, mm. I'm a I'm a sprinter. I highly doubt that, but I don't have the room to fact check it at this exact moment. So we're gonna move on. Um, <laughs> earlier this week, um, Monday to be to be exact, um, I or I, I guess last week I, I released a fan survey on mostly just my Twitter and sent it out a few other places as well. And we had, uh, I believe, more than 12,000 responses, 1,205 responses from Mavericks fans. I'm sure there are some trollish non-Mavs fans in there, but I thought the data we received more, more or less looked, you know, pretty good, pretty accurate. And I thought, I thought it was an interesting survey that answered about 19 questions. And so we published the results on TheAthletic.com on Monday. Uh, so you can look at everything there. Um, but we're going to talk about some of the questions. Some of them kind of go together and I think will give us easy conversations to have. Um, specifically, I think we're going to kind of talk about whether the Mavericks need a third star. But before we get there, let's kind of skim through and, and see if anything else jumps to mind. Um, how many Mavericks games did you watch this season, Dave? How many did they play? 67. I think I probably watched about 55. Okay. Or so. I watched a lot. So you were you you were in the same vein as about twenty percent of Mavs fans. Yes, I actually yeah. I actually voted sixty to sixty six. I think I, I think I missed one game. I forget which one it was. Yeah. And by the way, I don't watch. <laughs> I didn't watch the full game. Sure. You know, I, sure. I watch the competitive portion. You know, try to get as much info as I can. But I don't care about the outcomes. But you attended no <laughs> games. Is that correct? Um. No. 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 I, I saw them here in san antonio all right then you were in the one to five range along with 44 percent of mass fans so yeah although how many did you go to uh i was i was the sliver the the purple sliver that was 21 games or more because i didn't specify um if, if i had to actually say the number it was probably four they played 67 probably 45 to somewhere between 45 and 50 um yeah but yeah, I mean, there was, there was no point to put a 45 to 50 option on the survey. So I left it at 21 and more and, and got only a sliver of, of, uh, of fans mm-hmm. as it was. Um, besides Dirk, who was your favorite all-time Maverick? This one was actually tough. And would you, would you be surprised to learn Luca was, was the top option? 
Uh, no, <laughs> not surprised at all. I am surprised that Jason Terry was right behind Luca. That's pretty interesting. Who else would you think would be there? Uh, I mean, Steve Nash, Michael Finley. It's uh, it was- Sean Marion. Actually, I, I'm really surprised Sean Marion was so low. Really, that's felt like interesting. That, that fan base liked him. Am I wrong? I mean, they liked him. I, I don't know if they liked him more. He's a, he's than, a Hall of Fame level player, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say, like, he has a basketball nerds game that you can love, but you know how aesthetically is, is, uh, pleasing was was the things he did. His like little flip shots and weird jumper, and and obviously everybody knew he was a great player, um, had a good personality, but he wasn't, you know, a dominant player i guess not even a dominant you know he wasn't a scorer i mean that that's really what i guess i'm trying to say that's, he wasn't a scorer, that's what so. it is yeah um and terry was and terry was the scorer next to dirk you know during you know i, I definitely think this this survey skewed younger so mm-hmm. you know I, I did ask when people became mass fans and most of them became mass fans uh they actually said most of them said the early 2000s in the in the dirk and nash era but then the the next biggest slice was the mid to late 2000s or the Dirk and Jet era. So those are, you know, a bunch of mid 20 year olds, you know, just like myself uh, for the most part, maybe even younger. Maybe maybe that's college age kids, uh, you know, that 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 green sliver on our on our survey. If, if you if you didn't become a fan until like the mid 2000s, then yeah, you I mean, but but you grew up like watching them with your with your dad, with your parents, you know, then, yeah, you're you're probably like 22 now. So. So yeah, no, I'm I'm not surprised Nash was, you know, only third on the list and I'm definitely not surprised that like Michael Finley and you know Rolando Blackman uh you know, he got 10th. Obviously if this was a more diverse survey in terms of age, uh I'm sure he would have been higher, but you know, you live with what you can do. Uh we've talked about playoff opponents. Uh most likely if if the season somehow resumed to be the Clippers, which the least people wanted naturally. Um, no surprise there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably smart. Yeah. Um, objectively, where would Luka Doncic have ranked on your MVP ballot? I had him third. Oh no, 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 I had fourth. I'm sorry, I had him fourth. Uh, I actually had Harden second, which I know is a contrarian opinion because I know pretty much everybody had LeBron there for good reason. Um, but I had Luka yeah. fourth, and that that I'm sure is biased a little bit just by my closeness to this team. Yeah, um, like physically close to them at at all times. Right. I haven't actually thought about any of this stuff since since basketball stopped. There's there's no reason to. Let's 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 move move along. There's absolutely no reason. I I think I have Luca fifth or sixth. Yeah, I mean that's that's totally fair too. I I I, yeah yeah. You you could definitely make an argument while appreciating what he did and and but it's still a seven seed. You know, it's I I care less about records. which is usually, you know, I think I think if you're a playoff team, then I had I put Dame on my um, list when I I did oh, a yeah. I did a straw poll and I had I had Dame fifth, which hmm. probably shouldn't make it over Kawhi as as I think about it, but I don't know I had Dame pretty high Dame Dame was damn good, but anyway, uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about um, Kimba Walker actually. Yeah, let's talk about Kemba. So the survey question that I think is relevant here is, um, in hindsight, do you wish the Mavericks had signed Kemba Walker last summer? 74% no. They do not wish the Mavericks signed him. And so the setup to this question, of course, is that 
the Mavericks were going to sign him. It was, you know, it's pretty much been told to me out outright. Like the deal was, you know, done in the sense that if he got to free agency and nothing else appeared, he was going to sign there. And at the time, nothing else had appeared. And then, you know, maybe a week and a half, two weeks before free agency, um, all of a sudden it was like, oh, the Al Horford buzz is coming and he's not returning to Boston. You know, he is he is absolutely signing somewhere else. Yeah, Boston, I, th- I think, um, under uh, undersold him under uh, what's the word? They they didn't offer him enough money. Lowballed him. And so with Horford gone, Kimba all of a sudden, you know, very easily slid into Boston. And Kimba was good this year. You know, he wasn't their best player. I think I think Tatum emerges that. But but Kimba was very good for the Celtics. Still a good player. Still a third star. Absolutely. And yet. Pretty much three quarters of Mavs fans said, no, we we are glad in hindsight that that Kimba didn't come here. What do you make of that? Do you, is, is that the right call? Um, yeah, I tend to agree. I think the the timeline is different. And also your offense is already good to great, you know, like historic yeah. almost. Um, I, I don't know that Kemba brings the things that this team needed. You know, how much more can you juice your offense? Certainly uh, having another option in crunch time would help them quite a bit. But I, I just think that that money might be more well spent elsewhere and, and potentially on a guy that lines up with the Chris Stops Luca timeline. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I, I will say the, the offense was historically good. It's issues, which, you know, were seen in very small moments in crunch time games. So the issues that did have would be directly you know, helped by, by Kimba's presence. But that said, I agree. D- different timeline. Um, I, I, I was even, you know, last season, I was, I was even not, not super bullish on them signing Kimba for the exact reasons that it ended up turning out, you know, the way they did. Um, I also think that when you add a small guard, a small uh, guard to your defense, like you're limiting the level that you can reach. And I think Kimba is, is one of those players that does put a, um, a ceiling on how high you can be, de- you know, how good you can be defensively. Whereas, you know, instead, the Mavericks, you know, sure, Luka's not the best defender, but just by sheer product of the fact that he's 6'8", he does good defensive things um, more often than, than people uh, would would care to admit, I'd, I'd, I'd even say. So um, I, I wasn't sure what to make of what this question would be um, in terms of the results. Like, I really wasn't sure. Um, but, but to see it this resoundingly no, resoundingly no Kimba would not help us. And to be clear, like, I don't think Kimba, I don't think a, a Kimba, Luca, KP core would have won a title this year or next. And then you start, start after thinking about, you know, when, when is Kimba going to decline? He's a small guard. Uh, he's never had major injury history, but, but he's a small guard who's, who's going to get past 30 and relies on quickness. So, you know, at some point that, that, you know, that is a concern. So, no, I, I think it was the right decision. And, and it's, it's interesting to see that the Mavs fans are, are kind of on board in that same way. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, it, it's amazing because usually I, I think fans don't really know what they're talking about, but they seem to be right on this one. Yeah, so that leads into three more questions. So I, I want to read each one and then let you see if you kind of see the um, the interesting thread that goes through them. So first off, do you believe Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis can be the best two players on a championship team? Overwhelmingly, yes. 93% of, of fans said yes. Almost no one said no. The other, the, the sliver, the, the biggest sliver past the 93 was probably about 5% of people saying they're unsure. Follow it up with, 
how important is it for the Mavericks to acquire a third star to build a championship contending roster? And so this was a one to five ranking and about 45% of people had four or five, meaning 45% of people thought it was somewhat too very important for the Mavericks to get a third star if they want to have a championship contending roster. With that said, are you confident that the front office will sign or trade for a max contract third star? Uh, people were less confident, confident about this. I, I would say 35% said they were somewhat or very confident. 41% were not sure. Um, about 22%, uh, 20, 23% uh, were, were somewhat too very unconfident that that was going to happen. And then one more, if, if, you will, if, if you're still following with all these numbers. How <laughs> confident are you that the Mavericks will win a championship in the next five years? And we had 60% say they are somewhat very confident and 30% say that they're unsure. Um, almost no one was not confident that they were going to win a championship. So to summarize, KP and Luca, Mavs, Mavs fans think KP and Luca could be the best two players on a team, but they also, you know, about half of them think it's important to have a third star. Less than half of them think that that's actually going to happen. And most of them think that they will win a championship. So what do you like? Like, do you see the the, the mild disconnect between those answers? Like, I, I don't think it's hypocritical. I just think that mm-hmm. if you take if you take it question by question, I do think there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Right. Yeah, I, I can see that. But but then again, in that kind of how we all work. Yeah, right. Um, I, I think with something like this, that's not black and white and it and it relies on so many different factors. Like, If you asked me. Do I think the Mavericks are going to try to uh, sign or sign and trade or trade for a third star? Absolutely. Right. 100%. Are they going to find a willing partner? That's the other part of the equation. Right. Are, are, if the, are the Milwaukee Bucks willing to negotiate a sign and trade deal between Giannis and, and the Mavericks? I don't right. know. So that's where I think where where you get the the disconnects. Right, right, right. And I but think I that, don't think a third star is totally necessary. Yeah, so I, I yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you, and I, I think it depends on the third star. Obviously, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, like I think Kimba. I think the the issues with Kimba is that that he is a little bit older. He has a small guard. Like he just he doesn't fit in all the ways. Like I mean, every team in the league would cl- love Clay Thompson, but but if you had a Clay T- Thompson third star, obviously. You know, that's like a souped up Tim Hardaway Jr. That's kind of what you want. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. is the non-star version of the star you wish you had. Um, and he did, that, he did that as well as he could this season. You know, it's, you know he, had a, he had a great season. We, we've said this repeatedly on this podcast. But, you know, basically, if you had a third star, you would want it to be Tim Hardaway Jr. Just, you know, a little bit better around the edges, like better passer, better, better shot creator, all that stuff. I agree. <laughs> um, this is why we get it. We agree too much. I think. Yeah. We start disagreeing just out of, out of spite. Right. 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 Um, do you do you have any concern that the Mavericks will pursue a third star at the cost of building their team correctly around the the two, the two players they do have that you know I, I think that we both believe and, and obviously most Mavericks fans believe can be the best two players like. Like, isn't isn't there a balance to be struck there about like what if what if you're pursuing a third star too closely? Because, you know, if you if you think that back over the 
the past decade of the Mavericks. You know, it's it's year after year where they have to settle for like the dredges of free agency, one year veteran contracts to, you know, whoever's left because they spent most of the most of this offseason, you know, chasing LeBron James or, you know, maybe more realistically, they, they've chased Hassan Whiteside. They've chased, you know, Dwight Howard twice, Darren Williams, uh, Carmelo Anthony. So, you know, this does come up repeatedly with them. And I, I guess it is a relevant question of whether they've learned their lesson or not. And I'm not actually... I'm not even sure. Like, I, I don't I don't have a, you know, I certainly don't have a clear answer to this. I don't, I don't even have a informed answer. I don't feel like because it does feel like they've kind of changed business, but they've changed business in the past few years because they've had to. Things have been different. And and, you know, and, and now I, I am curious, like, I, I wonder if, you know, it's it's right back to the same thing where they're just they're so insistent on getting a third star because, yeah, you put the right third star on this team and maybe they are a dynasty for the next, you mm-hmm. know, seven years. And that that is why you do it. And that is. You know, I guess the the dream aspiration, even even though I'm romantic about these things and would rather them just kind of win it, win one title out of out of a out of a, you know, because they they really did it the right way. But I mean, what's the right way? I, anymore? I will. Here's the thing. So the third star doesn't guarantee you anything except for a very difficult cap sheet to manage. That's the guarantee you get. And I I'll take a page out of what the Lakers did last summer. And, you know, they got Anthony Davis. They, they definitely wanted to get a third star. I'm not saying they did this on purpose. But you were able to get some high level role players on that team because you didn't have a third star. I mean, you don't get Danny Green if you if you get a third star. Right. You know, a, a Danny Green level player, let's say. Yeah. And so I, I do think that we might see teams as they get smarter about managing the cap move away from the three-star model unless, you know, it's a no-brainer. Like, you don't... If you can get Kawhi Leonard as your third star, you do it every single time. But when you look at the big teams right now, the Clippers, two stars. The Lakers, two stars. Brooklyn, uh, in theory, two stars. Right. Dallas, two stars. Houston, two stars. And it just seems like teams are more interested in spreading the rest of that, that cap money and getting better role players uh, around two stars than, than pushing for three. Yeah. This, this now, and, and you know, so this, this two star parody kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Right. It was just like, but it came, we had dynasties and the then teams, out of nowhere, though. like every, every major team has two. But if you look at how, how things have worked for the three star teams since, since the Miami heat, right? You had the Miami heat, you had the Cleveland Cavaliers. Once LeBron went back, uh, you had the Warriors. Uh, who am I missing? Is that it? Um, you said Cleveland. Um, yeah. So, so all of the all of those teams, those three teams. Look at what happened when a star left, and and how the cap sheet and your assets that like the asset drawer is empty, and your cap sheet is ruined for a couple of years. So you almost are guaranteed to go into a rebuild. If you lose one of those guys. Right. I don't know if teams necessarily want that anymore. I think the sustained success, I think teams are seeing, you know, like what the Spurs have done for 20 years, um, what the Rockets have been able to do without bottoming out. I, I don't, especially with flatter lottery, lottery odds where the path to a star through the draft is even lower than it used to be. I think the two star thing might, might even catch on and it might be what teams are game planning for 
rather than shooting for, okay, I think we can get these three guys. Yeah, and the worst thing you can do with a 21-year-old and a 24-year-old that you believe can be the best two players on a championship team is, and, and this is kind of obvious, but the worst thing you can do is fuck it up, like really badly. Um, if, if, you, if you sign a star and it just, it just bombs, it just doesn't work, like that, that becomes an issue. Like now you are, you know, strapped monetarily with the cap sheet, all this stuff. Like you're, you are, you know, not able to build the team forwards. Whereas if you are making smart signings around them, even if one player isn't quite as good as you think he is, like you can go trade that player and you go do something with it. Like, like the, or if, if they really just say, all right, we have two stars. If something falls in our lap, sure. Like we're not going to not go get Kawhi Leonard. But, but like the idea is that, you know, you're slowly making, you know, useful, meaningful, purposeful signings to put around these players. And, you know, two years of, you know, maybe you're in the playoffs for two years and in this, you know, specific player that you thought could be the third or fourth best player, like he fails to do that in, in consecutive playoff series, then sure, like you're in a position where you can go replace that player. You can go trade him, you can flip him, you can do something with that. So um, it's, it's a, uh, I, it's it's kind of the patience thing. It's it's I, I don't think that they need to rush this this combo. Um, and I say that you know like they need to be taking step forward steps forwards. But you know it's it's I don't think it was important to sign Kimba uh, last summer. Uh, the other reason that that I was against it was I thought it was too soon. Like this team was not in a position to win titles because they didn't even have playoff experience. We talked so much about how important that was going to be for. Two players, two young players who have never been there before. You know, even if Luca has all the you know experience from Real Madrid, you know it's different. And and he needed to be in the NBA postseason. And you know, as it turns out, unfortunately, that may not happen. Or if it does happen, it'll be a very weird situation. But you know, we talked about this a lot in the podcast about how important that would be. And so you know, to add a veteran, it would make the team better. It would have solved a few issues they had late in games. But Kimba is a, you know, that's what we say when we say timeline. It's not just that he's mm-hmm. older than them. It's that he is ready, ready to win now and he's going to be yelling at Luca and demanding the ball from him late in games, you know, because mm-hmm. Kimba's like, you are making mistakes, Luca. so I, I won't do those things. Whereas actually, Luca just needs to make those mistakes because you know he's going to fix them, you know, once he does it 50 times because he's a basketball savant. But he has to have a chance to make those mistakes. So that's just a well, reminder. That's could, what timeline means to me. It's, it's more than yeah, just age. Well, right. Well, the other thing is, though, you have to consider. I mean, when you talk about timeline, Kemba is at the probably on the downside of his peak. Yeah, he's 30. Right. If we're just, you know, you have to throw LeBron James out the window. You can't think about that in those terms. But, you know, 30 is normally when we start to see a statistical decline, in particular in small guards. Small guards usually don't age well. Again, throw Chris Paul out the window. You you can't take the the exception to the norm as the rule. And Kemba being 30, um, you're signing him to at least a four year deal. You know, Uh, it just it just doesn't work. You're going to be paying on the front end for the back end, essentially. Right when Luca and KP are hitting their prime, you're going to be paying for a greatly diminished Kemba Walker at 33 years old. Yeah, I think that was a good discussion. I think that, you know, like, like we said, I don't think it was hypocritical. I think that when you addressed each question the way it was phrased, I think that each, each thing the the fans came up with, like I thought the, the, the results were, were pretty congruent. It's just that... In some areas, or or maybe the answers, the 
the answers made sense, even though they weren't necessarily congruent throughout. Um, that's pretty much all the questions. Uh, which which are the Mavericks, the Dallas-based professional team, most likely to win a championship in the next five years? I'm sure you're an expert here. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Uh, let's see. Let's see what the what the Cowboys can do with Dak Prescott. FC Dallas is a good sleeper. Somebody I, I, I wasn't going to include them at first and somebody kind of talked me into it, but they uh, they actually won the supporter shield in 2016. I know nobody. Everybody's tuning out right now. So see y'all. But um, they did win the supporter shield a few years ago. They've, they've got a solid, just really good pipeline of, of talent. Um, here, let's end on this one. Should the Mavericks rebrand their jersey and team identity in the next five years? Go back to the old stuff. That won't happen. Cuban doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, but whatever they do, they just got to get rid of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air font jerseys. Those things got to go. They need, they need a total rebrand. I'm, I'm like, again, I don't. Their current jerseys are not bad, but they've had them for 20 years. It's ridiculous that Rolando Blackman is wearing the same jersey as Luka Doncic. Just, just absolutely ridiculous. Not Rolando, not Blackman. Jesus. He retired in. Mike Finley. That that was the name I was going for. Um, but you could also say Sean Bradley. You could say, um, let's see, Hubert Ellis, I think, was on one of those late late 90s teams. Because they had these jerseys in 2000, 2001. All right. That's all I have. Dave, you got anything else? Uh, no, I think, that, <laughs> I think that's uh, all I have to say. Yeah, I think, I think we rambled at the, at the end a little bit, but that's all right. What else are we yeah. supposed to do on these pods? It's a podcast. That's what we're supposed to do. We're yeah. supposed to ramble. Yeah. You guys, you know, the people are lucky that they don't have to listen to us for the 45 minutes we spend before we start recording as we're rambling. Those are actually better than the podcast themselves. So I know. We should just be recording it, putting it out as its own podcast. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, be sure to listen to the other 77 Minutes in Heaven podcast um, by Brian Damaris and Mark Followell, who had Dirk on. So just in case somehow this one gets well, hold on. This one has me, though. So you also are sixth all time in NBA scoring. So you and Dirk share that title. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we will probably be back next week. See you guys then. 